moving through a rough time, our family, and uh, you know, just uh, going losing my dad and my mom a year before was uh, you know just something I never I've always dreaded my whole life actually, kind of dreaded it from probably when I was a kid, and uh, you know, just anticipating you know that that moment when you're going to lose your parents. And, Anyway, um, it was kind of a very precious time, though, that what happened this last week. I mean, this last year, I've been, you know, kind of right there helping my dad with lots of things. And, you know, when people, when we get old, man, it's difficult. Like, you know, just going through it with my mom was so, so horrible. You know, just so many hospitalizations, just going crazy in the hospital. You know, just the, what do you call it when you, when you kind of lose it in the hospital? Older people, what's that called again? No, when you're just, uh, you know, just hospital, um, what? You know, when, when you get all confused in the hospital. No, that's not the word. Anyway, I forget what it's called, but anyway, it's common when people are older. That they get all disoriented in the hospital and so delirium you know hospital delirium and so my mom would go through that every time she'd be hospitalized because they're waking you up all the time checking your blood pressure i don't know why they have to have your blood pressure every three hours or whatever it just it would definitely drive me crazy but it literally drives people crazy in the hospital right but anyway just seeing people become incontinent become unable to walk unable to hear unable to see you know, just uh, the whole process of a person's body shutting down. Like in my dad's case, him needing to be on oxygen. You know, he had COPD and uh, congestive heart failure. And so like Peter and I were, and Gracie, we were all watching my dad, just kind of the steady decline. And three months ago, he went on hospice. And um, yet I was playing chess with him, you know, I don't know how many days a week, four days a week, probably. And he'd always want to play chess. And I noticed that when he had oxygen, he was better at chess than, so I learned that it's better to unhook him for the moment when I was playing so I could beat him. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, actually he, he was just, uh, I always hated playing chess, but I actually grew to love playing chess with my dad. And uh, so, you know, I just grew to love him in a complete kind of different way of, as I've been walking through his uh, last days. And uh, it was quite special this uh, last week, you know, Peter was telling me, I just don't think he's gonna last much longer. And, you know, we, we kind of knew that, but it was like, it was, it was, we were really, we could tell that it could be any day. And um, um, Lisa kind of called and texted us and said, you know, you should do this beautiful thing that I've seen done. And that I, I don't know if you've done it, but praying over the body of the person who's dying you know, like praying over their feet, they're all over their body and, um, and blessing them and then just releasing them. And so uh, it just seemed like the perfect thing that uh, Lisa, Lisa's kind of been an angelic presence in our lives. She's always kind of come through with, with just advice that has been super important right at the moment, right at the moment when we needed it. And so I went in and uh, Peter was there and I felt this urgency. I had to go Friday night right away, go, go to see your dad. And I got there and my dad was kind of out of it and our dad was out of it. And 
the doctor, uh, the two attendants there, they said, well, I mean, they came in right when I was kind of talking with my dad and they wanted to put him to bed. So they put him to bed and then, um, and they did it in kind of a ceremonial like way. It was, it was weird. And then I went and I just thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to bless him. So I blessed his feet. I just, you know, I just said, dad, I just bless your feet. Thank you for, for, for taking us out hunting in the, in the North Cascades and, and for just walking those mountains and letting us follow you and teaching us, you know, how to hike and camp and I bless your feet for all the times they just jumped up and down out of your, jumped out of your car and into a place to make an appointment, call on somebody for your business. And, you know, and I bless your knees that they held out over all these years. And I bless your, you know, I just went up his body and just, I didn't bless every body part, but I blessed his, uh, you know, his hands, you know, for driving. Oh, I mean, that's what I think of with my hand, with my dad is driving because he just loved to drive. And he, he picked me up at the airport so many, so many times, dropped me off there. Anytime or day or night, he would come to pick up anybody. Like he's done that for, that's just how he is. So anyway, I just went and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed his stomach, you know, for all the, you know, the special pies that my mom made that he got to eat. Anyway, at the end, I just felt like I was supposed to tell him, dad, I'm proud of you. You know, because my dad lost our whole family you know, everything. We lost our inheritance when my dad turned 65. Our house was foreclosed on and he was forced to leave our family home. And his, both of his cars were taken the same day and, and he broke his leg. It was like, and he never recovered and he died very poor, you know, just no money at all. And, um, and you know, so then his kids kind of like, it's hard to be proud of your dad when something, when your dad fails, right? But I just felt this strong sense that I'm proud of my dad. And so I just told him, Dad, I'm, I just want you to know I'm, I'm so proud of you. And he just perked up. And it was like this, this word just went right into his heart. And then, then Peter and I prayed over him and just said, we just release you, Dad. We bless you. And we just say, you know, when you're ready to leave, go. Just go to the place of the, of the, of the saints. You know, just go to the cloud of witnesses. Join the cloud of witnesses. You know, yeah for the very first time ever he said i'm ready to die i want to go to heaven. i want to go be with jesus so we just blessed him to go to the place of, of of the cloud of witnesses right and um and then my dad just kind of drifted off and i left and and then at 5 30 in the morning around that time um he passed and we got the call from uh, you know peter and it was like, wow. And uh, so yesterday we went over there and there he was, you know, you know, just in the bed, but not alive. And we just hung out there for the morning and uh, watched the people from the cemetery or not the cemetery, the funeral home come and, and take him and put him in a body bag. And they did it with such dignity. It was like, it was like, the people taking Jesus down off the cross. That's how it felt. And, um, and we just uh, were there with that, with those two people who we asked if we could take a picture of them and they were just so shocked. They said, no one, everyone thinks of us as like, they want to get away as fast as they can. They don't even want to see us. We're like, they feel like we're jinxing them. And so we asked them to take their masks off so we could take a picture of them. And they were, they were so blessed. And then, um, and they wanted to put on this dark black 
first they put on this cover, this like a quilt that was all multicolored, beautiful yellow. And then they quickly changed it to, to the black the other side, which was all black and gray. And we were like, no, 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 um, you don't need to worry about, if you're not offending us, if you put the beautiful colors, you know, we want the beautiful colors. Like my dad has lived a good life and, and we're, we want to celebrate his life. And they were really like, so, you know, I, death is, I hate death. I, I absolutely despise it. I think it's evil. I don't think it's our friend. I think it's our enemy. It separates us, you know, we can't call my dad, my mom, you know, you can't contact, we're out of touch with the dead. They're gone and that separation is brutal and, um, and it feels permanent. But um, I just wanna look at a couple of scriptures to show how it's actually really the, the defeat of death that is the heart of the good news, okay? It's the heart of the good news that Jesus has conquered death. And without that, we are hopelessly screwed. Okay, without Jesus having conquered death, man, we, life sucks, 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 okay? There is no point, there's no point, okay? It is really tragic and horrific to, to think that if death is the final word, man, we are really, we're really up a creek, okay? And I, and I don't, I really don't believe I don't really, I really don't believe that it is, but, but sometimes I struggle. I struggle to, to believe in the, in the victory over death. And so did the first disciples. And so check it out. Luke 24, um, it says, beginning in verse 48, Jesus, these are like some of Jesus's final words before he, as a resurrected alive, Jesus heads up to heaven to be with his father. Um, he says, you are witnesses of these things. Okay, you are witnesses of these things. What things? And um, what things are these guys witnesses of? Okay, so, and, and this is, you know, all of us are called to be witnesses. To be a witness is, is almost the same as being a disciple or to be a Christian. A witness is someone who, like, if you're a witness in court, you, you, you're brought up and and someone says, Jason, did you see that guy breaking into that car? And no. Okay. And Jason knows what to say. He's not going to rat on anybody. <laughs> okay. But anyway, a witness is someone that, um, that tells what's, you know, that, that, that states the truth of what they see. Um, so anyway, let's check this out. This is what they saw. So while they were telling these things, these were other things. Um, hey, Heather. He himself, okay, this is the Jesus after he's been crucified, and his crucifixion was brutal. Like, they beat the crap out of this guy. I mean, they, they did 40 lashes, they beat him up, they spit on him, they pounded the crown of thorns into his head, they, they stuck him in his hands and his feet with nails and spikes, you know, like railroad spikes. And so, like, he died hanging there, and he was asphyxiated, that's how he died. Because you hang there and you can't hold yourself up, and it was ugly, it was public too. So uh, there he is. Um, while while there, other people are talking about how he met them when they were walking along um, on the road, he, um, he stood in their midst and he said, peace be to you. Oh man, if my dad showed up right now in my house, I'd be freaked out. I'd need someone to say, oh, maybe him to say, peace, hey, it's okay. I'm here um, and I'm not, 
I'm not a ghost, okay? But they were startled and frightened, okay? Even when he showed up, they were, they were scared shitless, right? Yes. And they thought that they were seeing a spirit. Some Bibles say they thought he were seeing a ghost. So the first thing they thought was, this isn't the real deal, Jesus. This is a ghost. And they were freaking out. Okay, so they weren't immediate believers. They thought death was the final victory, victorious enemy. Okay, and so if you're going to see a dead person, it's because they're a ghost. Okay, so, but he said to them, why are you troubled? Well, God, Jesus, get a clue. I mean, get a grip. Don't you know what it's like to be a human? Like, we're troubled because, like, you died. Okay, and here you are. And we don't believe that you're really the real deal, Jesus. We think you're, I mean, you're just freaking us out. You're like a phantom. Okay, that's what I would think. And why do doubts arise in your heart? Why do doubts arise in our heart? Well, when someone dies, they're dead. And so we watch the people go into the grave or get cremated. And we see their ashes. And so we know that death is real. So yeah, we doubt because death seems to be very real. It is real. Right? So Jesus, uh, that's why we're troubled. And that's why we doubt. Okay, but then look at Jesus, what he says. See my hands and my feet. So he invites them to see, see him. And he's got holes in his hands probably and holes in his feet. He says, check it out, check me out, okay? And then he says, touch me, okay? Uh, and see, touch me and see, okay? Like he just wants them to like be ultra clear. Like I'm not a ghost, okay? And then he says it. And then when he said this, he showed them. First he says, look, and then he showed them. So like he said, look, check it out. And then he showed them. He came over and he said, look. That's how I imagine it, right? So he's, he's like wanting to get this point across. Because uh, why? Well, because death seems like it's the victor. And he's wanting them to see that he just defeated death. And so that is important for his disciples because they're going to be witnesses about that, that death has been defeated. That's the, that's the, that's the good news, okay? So then, um, while they were still, while they still could not believe it, they still couldn't believe it, okay? He, they've just looked. He's just shown them, okay? He's been talking to them. They're looking at him. They still can't believe it. Okay, these guys are really like difficult, difficult cases. I like that Jesus chose people that weren't just pushovers. I kind of think that you guys aren't just pushovers either. So you're in good company with the disciples, right? So while they still couldn't believe it, but then it says because of their joy and amazement, I like that. So they're starting to believe. They're starting to have a little bit of joy and amazement. And they're going, what? You know, what? How would you say it? I think you'd say it differently. While they still couldn't believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? Okay, now he's got to prove it. He's got to get some of Lorinda's uh, lemon pie. So they gave him a piece of boiled fish. That, was not what, that wouldn't have been my choice. No, I wouldn't have wanted boiled fish. Maybe smoked salmon. <laughs> How about Trace Leche's cake? No, not me. I would like that. <laughs> They gave him a piece of tres leches cake, okay? And he took it and he ate it before them. 
So he, he wants them to really see, he's trying to get the point across. Like when we think about being dead, okay, a dead person doesn't eat, but then if a dead person eats, then suddenly you can go, wow, okay, man, maybe dead isn't so bad if I can be resurrected because I don't get to eat, right? A lot of people think the worst thing about death is no more sex, no more food, right? Probably in that order too, for a lot of people, right? Anyway, so Jesus is focusing on the food part and he says, like, um, so then he says, so they gave him a piece of boiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. And um, I think that is super cool. And then he gave them some instructions. But I want to move to Romans chapter eight and check, invite you guys to look at this text because it says in verse 20 For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So we're, we're going to be set free from our slavery to corruption. Like my dad was a slave to corruption. He just, he got sicker and sicker. Everyone said that would happen, that he would go downhill and that it would be weeks, months at the most months. And he was, he was, he was congestive heart failure and COPD lead to death when you're 94. You're going to die. Okay. If you're 94, you're going to die of something. Okay. So he's be dying. The fact that we're dying, that's being a slave to corruption because corruption means you're going to rot. Right. Okay. So that the creation also will be set free from the, its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So the hope is that that's going to happen, that our bodies are, are going to be set free from, um, from corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God, freedom of the glory of the children of God. There's glory of the children of God. That is, is what, that's what freedom really is. We don't even know what freedom is until we have, we have the glorified bodies. Um, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Man, did we ever see that with my dad groans of childbirth i mean he you know if that's what it is a childbirth like a death is like right prior to a birth and not only this but we ourselves having the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters the redemption of our body we need our bodies to be redeemed because our bodies are screwed up they're addicted they're tired they're Sometimes too skinny, sometimes too fat, sometimes too, just too hungry and not satisfied, you know, and then dying on top of it at risk of death and everything, right? And so the hope is right here that God has conquered this, this, this death reality that's, that seems like the dominant reality. So look at 1 Corinthians now, chapter 15. This is just such a crazy text. Um, it talks about um, if, we, if we only hope for this life, we're the most to be pitied. That's one thing it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, where does it say that? I wasn't going to share that, but. Verse 19, really? Oh, yeah. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Yeah, because this life only, like, you know, 
like, look, my dad, my mom and dad, they lived a really good life and they, now they're not here. And so that was good to hope in this life, but this life ended for them. And I'm super sad about that. We're super sad about that. We don't, we're not happy about that. And that's true. It's going to be true for all of us, right? So if we only hope for having a good life now, okay, you get your house, you pay it off. So what? You're going to die. And then what? You know, you're not going to have a mortgage payment when you're dead anyway, or a rent payment, right? So if all our hope is in this life, man, we are, you know, look, we got the whole eternal life to wait to anticipate, you know, to ahead of us. But anyway, look at this in verse 36. This is stuff that I think we need to go through. Um, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body do they come? And here I'm going to need Julio's help. Paul says, you fool. How would you say that, Julio, you fool? How do, how do like, uh, like people in your subculture call someone? You, you always say, fool, hey, fool. How do you say it? But, but, but people often use the term, hey, fool. But and they don't mean like you're a stupid idiot, right? It's more like, it's more like, hey, guy. Or, it's, it's different. Like, how would you say, how, how do people use the word fool? I, I hear it all the time in the gang culture. I hear people say, hey, fool. But yeah, but it's I, not like it. It, it, it's not that's negative. Like that's kind of how I think Paul is saying it. So how would you say it? How would you say it, Jessica, in an endearing way? <laughs> I don't know. I just mean, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know how, but I just mean it's different than, like, you said to somebody that you know that you care about that you talk to, as opposed to somebody like you, stupid idiot. Or whatever. So, so how would you say it to someone you loved and cared about? Whoa. Come on, fool. Come on, fool. There it is. Okay. See, I think that's exactly how Paul's saying it. Like Jason. Come on, fool. Yeah. So look what he says. I love this. 36. Which uh, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Okay, that's true of a, of a, of a, a seed that you put in the ground, right? Okay. That which, so, that which you sow, that which you plant, doesn't come to life until it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body, which is to be, but a grain, a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else, broccoli or whatever, right? But God gave, gives it a body just as he wished. And to each of the seeds, a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one flesh of people and another flesh of beasts. Okay, like I think of little doggies that die. And, you know, do they, when they die, does their flesh come back as a, as a resurrected doggy? I think so. I mean, I don't know whether that's completely true, whether, whether animals resurrect from the dead in the new heaven and the new earth. But, but Paul gives the example, all flesh is not the same, but there's one flesh of people, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, another fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly one and the glory of the earthly is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. Stars differ from the star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. Okay, like we're going to bury my dad on Friday in a cemetery. We're going to sow him in the ground as a perishable body. 
And it's raised and imperishable. You know what imperishable means? It's not gonna rot. Right. It's not gonna rot. It's gonna yeah. So perishable items are things that rot. Okay, that's us. We're perishable. Okay, we're like eventually. Okay, but we're we're sown perishable, we're raised up imperishable. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. It is, if there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. You see, that's what we saw with Jesus when he said, hey, he showed them. He says, see my hands, see my feet, you know, touch me, see, it's me. It's, you know, and then he showed them his hands and his feet. And, and then he, you know, he, um, he said, do you have something to eat? And he ate it in front of them. So it was, it was a body. So, but it was an imperishable body. It wasn't a resuscitated body, but it was a resurrected body. And that's a different thing. If you're just raised from the dead, but you're still a body, an imperishable body, that's not the resurrection that, I'm, that Jesus is talking about. Jesus was raised an imperishable body. That's why he walked straight through a door, of a, walked right into a room, right? He was, his reality was stronger than natural reality. His, his re, he was more real than the walls. Someone who's more real than the walls can walk through the wall. Yeah, exactly, because the wall's perishable. So um, I just love this. So also it is written, the first, um, well, that's it. Um, it's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. And if there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body, which means that we're going to be able to recognize each other in heaven, because we're going to have a spiritual body. It's still a body that can eat, and we're going to get to eat because that's one of the main things in heaven that we that is talked about is the banqueting table, where we where we have we're at a banqueting table, the feast. There's going to be a feast. Okay, so that's the hope of that Jesus uh, brings us is resurrection hope. That death is not the final enemy. It is the final enemy, but it will be destroyed, and we await the resurrection of the dead. Okay, which is why um, we have hope, okay? And we don't need to fear death, okay? We don't need to fear death, although we do, but we need to, that's why we need to remind ourselves of these truths. So really quickly, if we go back to Luke chapter 15, or chapter 24. So Jesus, he says, you are witnesses of these things. Witnesses of what things? Well, that he's raised from the dead. And the death, um, and he can't be killed again. Because an imperishable body, you can, you can be machine gunned down by the cartels or by the DEA or by Putin or by Biden or Zelensky or anybody. You can be like, you can have a nuke, you can be nuked and you're not going to die. Okay, a nuclear weapon could not kill someone with an imperishable body. Okay, so you don't need to fear, right? So look, you are witnesses of these things. Um, and then he says... Um, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So Jesus wants us to, to know that we need the power of God from above. To um, It's the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. We need it right now to be able to live our lives prior to our death. So anyway, let's pray. So God, thank you that you've defeated death. Thank you that we don't need to fear. I just ask that you would 
pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and that you take the fear of death away from us and that you give us that resurrection hope and that you teach us just how to live life differently now that we know that death is not the victor. Pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.